When witches go riding and black cats are seen, the moon laughs and whispers, "'Tis near Halloween." Welcome, welcome, guys. Welcome to Deliver More, <laughs> this delightfully devilish Ooh. edition of Deliver More. Uh, thank you for joining us and joining me today is the mischievous Michael Patterson. How are you, sir? Hello, Nick. How are you doing, Chris? And Chris, what's up, guys? Absolutely. Hey, happy Halloween. <laughs> We have the devilish Chris Dole and werewolf, their wolf. <laughs> wolf. Welcome, Chris. Welcome to both of you. Uh, Trick or treat, I, Nick. Absolutely. Great to be here. Um, I got to thank you for giving up your time and joining us today. Uh, Deliver More is brought to you by the team here at Intech Services. We love bringing it to you month after month. And we love hearing from you. So please keep emailing us. Thank you for uh, giving us good feedback. And uh, we're just enjoying uh, applying that and moving along and moving right along today. Guys, let me just ask you in general, do you enjoy the uh, the season of the witch? Do you enjoy the Halloween season? Love it. It's a great yeah. season. On the East Coast, we've got the fall. You've got the change yeah. of seasons. So it's starting to cool off. And also my oldest son was born on Halloween. So it's always oh, a, wow. it's oh, always a special that's time right. in my house. He turns 21 this year. So yeah, that's a, I'll tell you what, turning 21 to Halloween is probably pretty brutal. If you think. Yeah, that's going to be rough. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like rough. a Christmas birthday. But yeah, that, that's uh, wow. I used what? to stress about the costume, especially as we got older, you know, like trying yeah. to figure out what to put on. And then I realized you could just go to one of those Halloween stores and for 10 bucks, you were all set. So once I cracked that code a couple of years ago, <laughs> I've really, I've really gotten into the season. Yeah. It's funny when the kids were younger, I think it was like super stressful to get them all together as they've gotten yeah. older. It's like, you're trying to hold on to these, you know, these holidays that, you know, as you get older, they kind of just go by the wayside. So you know, spending more time trying to decorate the house and get things yeah. together because, you know, my youngest is almost 15. So, like, wow, trick or treating is kind of wow. out the window. Wolfie's super dark about it. Now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a lot of leftover <laughs> Halloween candy for Just you, brother. Took a macabre turn. Six pounds for Wolfie. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's good uh, for you know, my it's weight. funny. Mike brought up, you know, here on the East Coast, it's it's wonderful that we actually can see, you know, we get the four seasons, we can see the leaves change, and we kind of settle into this lovely, lovely autumn season. But of course, we all go towards, you know, the, the season of the witch, the scary stories. I wanted to share a quote with you guys to get us going today. Um, and the quote is uh, from Richard Bachman, who became Stephen King. We make up horrors to help us cope with the real ones. So uh, those people by trade make up the stories that frighten us. But today we're going to talk about stories from the real world in the real workplace. Today, you're joining us for nightmares in Teflon and terrifying application stories. So every job kind of has its own nightmare scenario, good days, bad days. But these are things that you guys have run into repeatedly. Mike, I wanted to start with you, sir. Um, in this in this trade, I, you know, it's got to be a little bit different than other things where you hear, well, the customer's always right, because I, I have to imagine, what about a customer that reaches out, wants to buy Teflon, but they probably shouldn't be applying it or doing anything with it? Is this a scenario that you've run into before? 
Uh, yes, we have. I think it's, <laughs> if, you don't have to be in this business long to run into that sort of scenario. And I think just as far as background is so Intech gets a lot of incoming inquiries, phone calls, emails. Now faxes have pretty much gone away, fortunately. But um, so we if somebody calls DuPont or emails that get it's routed through us and we handle it. So it's great. I mean, we love the questions. We love the ideas and, and things that people are trying to do with the coatings. Um, and what we see a lot of is people that are like, oh yeah, yeah, just sell me a gown and I'll play with it and I'll put it on my part and we'll see what happens. And yeah, you know, I love the ingenuity and and um, sure. you know forward thinking of it all. But yeah. it, you know, if, if anybody knows that does apply Teflon on a regular basis, there's a lot involved in terms of the the spray, the you know surface prep, the spray, the curing, all you know handling the part, racking. It's, it's a million steps to it. It really is. I've described it over the years. It's it's a black art to really be able to apply Teflon in a proficient manner to get the results that the coatings intended to produce. So, you know, lots of times we get people that call in and say, yeah, I want to buy a gallon of this. I read about it on the internet or I saw it on your website and send me a gallon in 958-203. And, and so then that's when our kind of detective work kicks in and we have to understand like, all right, so tell me about your facility. What type of equipment do you have? And, and one thing I learned early on is I, I used to say to people like, Hey, do you have an 800 degree oven? And um, they'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah, I have an 800 degree oven. So now I, I learned over the years is big. How high does your oven go? Because uh -huh. a lot of times people think right. I've got no oven or I've got a 200 degree oven or a 400 degree oven. So we really try to qualify people the right way. Cause the last thing we want to do, the nightmare here is that Teflon gets a bad name. Somebody, oh, you yeah. know, snows us and he, we sell them a gallon uh, they apply it incorrectly or it doesn't come out right. And now the industry that they're in says, oh, Teflon's junk. It doesn't work. We tried that. And I know Chris and Chris and anybody in this industry, even you know, our customer base has run into an engineer or specifier that's used Teflon at one point in their career and said it doesn't work. When in fact, who knows what coding was on there and how it was applied by whom, whom it was applied. So yeah. there's a lot to it. And that to me is one of the biggest nightmares out there is, is running the risk of jeopardizing the reputation and the, the name and tarnishing yeah. the name of Teflon because yeah, he doesn't mean, know what they're doing. Intech has a tough job. I mean, we're, we're stewards of one of the most recognizable brands in the world. Yep. And to, to Mike's point, hundred, we have 137 different coding systems and for somebody to apply one incorrectly and with a broad stroke, tarnish the entire, you know, coding, um, you know, selection, uh, it really can damage the overall, you know, uh, reputation of Teflon in the field. And that's, that is a nightmare for sure. Yeah. And I know one of the things when I first started and, you know, that we try to tell our sales reps, it's at Intech and overall, it's not about just selling the gallon. You know, Mike's always told us, he goes, I don't care. You sell one gallon. Who cares? He's like, can the guy do it or not? And that's way more important. So as Mike was saying, you know, you know, protecting the reputation of the product and getting it in the hands of the right people. And I know we had conversations previously on deliver more about our applicators and, you know, the, the Teflon guys that we work with built their business around the application of Teflon. They're specialized and they have the know-how, the experience and the equipment, more importantly, to do the application right. Because it's a performance coding. I mean, we're not selling on looks. I mean, hell, I work here. I mean, I'm not the prettiest guy in the world. That's for sure. But I mean, Mike continues to roll me out there to everybody. So, but nevertheless, Teflon's the same way. It doesn't look great. It performs and it has to be handled correctly to perform.
Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting analogy, Chris. Um, <laughs> Came right to that's, you know, that's, I, I thought that's of this Wolfie. story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of this scenario and it just popped in my head. I was just start. I was you know, like three or four years into it. And, you know, I talked about us getting the incoming phone calls and I got an incoming phone call one afternoon and it was just a general, like a Joe homeowner guy. Right. And he called in and was like, Hey, hey I bought this product at a yard sale. And it says it's Teflon and I sprayed it on the exterior of my car. And I, you know, I thought it would make it faster, <laughs> more aerodynamic. And he was like, and it's, it, it's not drying. It just keeps wiping off. And I was like, um, what does the can say? And so he was like, it says, uh, 851-204. And so this is how old it was. It was like before the G codes and all, you know, all the stuff like that and the N codes. Yeah, so this code, guy yeah. somehow bought a gallon of acid primer at a yard sale I know he must have used an airbrush or something or who knows what he did. Somehow he sprayed it on the outside of his car and just left it there. And then was asking me, why is it not going to, is it going to help him drive faster? And I was like, e you're pretty much, we wasted your money. Um, but that's a nightmare. You know what I mean? It's like somebody bought it and now it's selling it on a yard sale or Craigslist or who knows what they were doing. And uh, it's just crazy. This stuff that people do, but you know, everybody thinks they can apply it. And in fact, you can't, it's specialized. Yeah. And then you know, handling it the wrong way. I mean, yeah, you dangerous. create a problem with you know, yeah. hazardous material. It's, it's a regulated material. And not yep. just some Joe Schmo can just go. Yeah, who knows wants. what this guy did with that gallon. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, right that, that pre-treatment process <laughs> is so important too. I mean, you have to really rough up the surface, make sure it's ready to receive the Teflon in order for it to stay on board. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, someone yeah. just spraying it on a car. That's yeah. quite an inter <laughs> interesting application. Yeah. I can't imagine, too, if somebody doesn't know what they're doing, put it, say me, if, I'd be calling here every five minutes. I'd be, so hey, at least oh, Google yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Nick again. I got another question. I got that question. happens a lot. I mean, and we know. I mean, you know, we love talking to people and this and that, but a new a person just starting off, even if they have all the equipment and they're they're going to make Teflon a part of their business. They've invested in the facilities and equipment. They're going to have a lot of questions versus people like our longstanding coders that have been doing this for 75 years. The only time they call is if it's a real oddball question because they know yeah. more about this than we do potentially because they've been doing it for so long. So, you know, we never get questions from them about application. And, but the new people coming in, yeah, buckle up. You're going to be yeah. getting a lot. A lot. It's like it's like being at like um, shortstop during batting practice, man. You're just fielding <laughs> one one ball after another. Getting peppered. <laughs> lasers hit at you. <laughs> well, we, I got another uh, uh, another scenario that, that could turn nightmarish and I want to go guys are all experienced players in our game. Uh, Dole, I wanted to ask you about this one. What about when you run into someone who just picks the wrong coatings yeah. for the wrong reasons in this game? Is that something you've encountered? Absolutely. And, and that's, that's one of the things that happen where applicators get comfortable. As I mentioned, 137 different coatings. You're not going to stock all 137. So people get into their routines of one or two favorites. And then unfortunately, yeah. every application that comes in the door, um, the primary market for our products are called job shops. And it means there's different jobs, different applications coming in that door every day. And what happens sometimes is they get caught into in a rut and start applying, you know, one of two scenarios where they're putting um, an inferior Teflon coating on a really difficult application. And then it tarnishes that brand. I tried Teflon. It didn't work. 
Or the other scenario is they may put a very complex and expensive system on something that doesn't necessarily need that complexity. And then you run into long time cost feasibility situations where if it's a high volume part and I've you know, put the Cadillac of Teflon on it, and it's just going to outprice the ability for them to be able to sell that product to the marketplace. Well, now you've got a scenario where you've could you could have put you know you could have put the Kia on it or whatever that other lower brand you know product is on there to get it through so that it meets you know the, the cost feasibility. So you know, it's when I first learned Teflon, it's it's a it's like you're on a fence. You're always going to give up something. You're going to give up performance, or you're gonna you're going to increase cost. So there's a give and take in all of those different 137 systems. So, you know, just getting in a rut, not asking questions, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, puts us in that nightmarish scenario, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We call it the uh, Frank's red hot scenario, Nick, where, you know, <laughs> the coder is comfortable with, you know, with a couple coatings and they just, they put that shit on everything. So it's like, <laughs> Hey, I, you know, I, I love 42104. I, I just use that all the time. And, and it's like, gosh, why don't you call us or, you know, whatever. I will talk to you. There's, you know, there's not just one Teflon brand, even, even though your sprayer loves that one. Well, that's like one of the easiest coatings to apply. That's why they love it so much. Yeah. You know, the other yeah. coatings are, you know, a little bit more challenging, you know, multiple coats or what have you. So we do run into that every now and then. And the expense one is a kind of a drag too, though. That, you know, that reminds me of is like, you ever go to a restaurant and you're sitting there and the server comes up and you're like, Hey, so what's your favorite things or what's the specialties? And the, uh, the only thing that the server points out is the three most expensive items on the menu. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, man, I'm getting my arm twisted into trying to order that 60 ounce porterhouse, man. What the yeah. hell? So that's what I feel like that ex- choosing like eight fifty seven for everything or choosing Ruby red for everything. Yeah. It's like, it's overkill. You don't need that. And so, and like you said, Chris, you're going to price yourself out of the market or what we did. And my bigger fear here too, is that it works. And then the end user says, give me something cheaper. This is too expensive. Yeah. And then they move it to a competitive coding. Right. And now we did all the pre-work and exactly. all with our coding just to like pave the way for a competitive Okay. That's yeah, a that, real nightmare. That's why this fits in the nightmare because we, you know, we, we want long-term applications. I mean, that's right. how, you know, all of us make money is, you know, having that consistent growth in these mm-hmm. products and like knowing when someone out, you know, over specifies something that, you know, once, once it gets to the, you know, whatever the cost accountant is or whatever, whoever's really looking at, you know, the makeup of that product, you know, you're going to lose. You're like, why are you doing that? You know, you're, you're putting us in such a bad position right out of the gate just by putting the wrong coding in place. Yep. Or they might shop the coder too. They might not just shop the coding. They might shop the coder and find a new coder to somebody do it cheaper. I mean, people are unscrupulous about trying to cut people out of the equation. It seems like it. I don't don't want to sell our applicators short either because, you know, some of the guys are adept at certain codings because that's the business segment they're in. And they know better than not get into, you know, a one code high volume because I do Ruby Red all the time. You know, they they don't have, they know that they don't have the, you know, the facility or or the, uh, the equipment to do that. So, um, our coders, you know, our, our core, core ones definitely know their sweet spot and, and stay away from stuff that's not for them. Yes. Making a note that when I hear the Frank's red hot term around the office, I know what's going on now in that particular. <laughs> not spraying it. You just thought somebody was getting wings that day. <laughs> like, God damn, they're hungry already. Um, Wolf, I'm going to go to you, uh, with one that I'm curious about. Um, here's a nightmare scenario for you. Uh, you guys all work the phones, uh, and what goes through your mind when you hear, oh, oh, oh you got to see this. I know you guys love traveling 
<laughs> you know, an intech loves to travel and provide solutions. But when you get a call and somebody says, hey, uh, man, you, you got to come take a look at this. What kind of goes through your mind, Wolf? Well, first of all, I mean, you know, with the technology, people can send us pictures and things like that. We'd like to see that first sure. just to get an idea of what's going on. But really, Nick, in these scenarios, you've got to go to the beginning. And I know sometimes, you know, the coder can be pressed for time or, you know, they put their sprayer on the phone or it's a guy that, you know, wasn't even applying it. And we're like, hey, I need to go through the process from beginning to end. And we're like, what process are you following? And I know Mike and Chris will agree. You'll get the general. I use a fact sheet. And yeah. then they just stop and it's like, yeah. okay, my well, guy's been still- spraying this for 30 years and he's using a fact sheet. <laughs> but well, if that's the case, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Exactly. And the best is yeah. the best is you read the fact sheet applications off to them. Oh no, we don't do that. Like we actually do <laughs> something, right. yeah. something a little different. Yeah. But you know, so, and that's, and as much as you're like, listen, I don't want to start from the beginning, but I'm going to have to, because sure. as we know, there's certain areas that are trouble spots. And Chris was talking earlier about the, you know, uh, preparation step, you know, preparing the, the, uh, the substrate. You also have a step of preparing the material as well. That can be uh, a place where you, you know, fumble. Um, the cure is, is another, uh, you know, big problem or can be. So, you know, there's certain areas we hit on just because, I mean, just because somebody sent me a picture, I may not tell the whole story or yep. I can't, you know, just come to a conclusion just because I saw one picture and that's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the other 20 pieces turned out okay. This one's not okay. You know, so, and that happens sometimes. But, um, you know, what Mike was saying is too, yeah, we do like to get out. And it does allow for us, for the coders that do, not everybody will let you in and see what's going on. But yeah. the ones that do, it is like so eye-opening for us on this side because we, we distribute the coding. We, you know, we're not doing this every day. We know a lot of theory. We know, you know, we read a lot about the codings, but we don't do them every day. And there are certain things, um, you know, that happen uh, or that we find out because we were there and we, you know, we saw what happened firsthand or we, you know, there's maybe it could be a small misstep. It could be a giant misstep. Um, You know, I had a guy that was, you know, trying to apply one of our powders uh, and was doing a primer step and then a top coat and then a primer step and then a top coat. And we were like, why are you doing that? I was like, you know, primer is a one-time application. You know, you, you don't yeah. do that over and over and over again. And he was like, well, I'm trying to get the other, the additional top coats to stick. <laughs> you know, we're like, okay. you got to hot flock that in there. <laughs> it will stick. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll all merge together. You don't have to keep putting primer down, yeah. but you know, things like that. Um, you know, again, we can handle a lot of them over the phone, but there's certain ones, you know, we had a scenario where somebody kept coming to us year after year, like this material is out of balance. Like I can't get it reincorporated. I'm getting, you know, bad application. And finally, I just was like, I'm going to go see this customer and, and see what's going on. And what it came down to is, uh, you know, a piece of equipment they were using every day, uh, which was important and they needed it, didn't have uh, an impeller to keep the, uh, or agitator to keep the material suspended. So they would go on lunch and then come back and the material would settle out. And then they would start spraying their on their line again. And it's like, there's some coating here, other areas, it's just solvent. And that's exactly what they were explaining. And, and, uh, you know, we, we got into that level of detail and we're able to figure that out. 
Well, if I think that's where us not doing it every day really helps applicators because we kind of have that outside perspective, um, you know, that really theoretical, you know, this is, this is exactly how you should be. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly how you should be working through that process. Um, And even some of our, you know, more experienced applicators, they just like to run stuff by us too, just because something might not be acting correctly. So Mm -hmm. I think there's real value in having both of those kind of Mm -hmm. daily use applications and knowledge with our, you know, theoretical outside uh, approach. Yep. I think it really works well. I think my you know, kind of rea- reaction to Chris's and Wolfie's thoughts is I've always loved going out on the road and always urged everyone here to go on the road because you just learn so much more. And I can think of things I've learned early in my career. Um, yeah. For example, seeing solvent-based products sweat in human environments and, yeah. and working through customers to resolve that. Like things I saw and worked through firsthand stuck with me my whole career. And so if somebody calls now and it's July and they're spraying and at and uh, the solvent-based coatings are are sweating, I know exactly how, you know, there's mm-hmm. two ways that I fixed it, you know, with the, at the customer's location that we did mm-hmm. it together. But now I know because I was there or I was at one place where we were spraying powder and a, a thunderstorm came up. And it was during mm-hmm. the summer also. And I saw the impact that the thunder, the lightning had on the electrostacks of the powder. Mm-hmm. And so things like that, you, I mean, we don't learn that in our office. No, and yeah. But being on site lets us learn that. So that's one thing I've always loved. And the second thing is that, especially if we can go to an end user's plant, because we do that quite a bit too. Yeah. It's not just us going yeah. to see the coders. It's end users saying, can you come see my waffle line? Or can you come see this, you know, whatever line it's going to be. And we jump at that chance because I can pretty much, bet a round of drinks that if as we're walking through the plant to get to go see that line that's the the line in question i'm going to find a handful of other applications that could use teflon down the road mm-hmm. that we'll keep in our hip pockets and then solve the problem for them help them out build the goodwill now i have a, um credibility to go back to them and say yeah. hey, here's some other things we saw that teflon could really help you out with so, I mean, that, and that, again, that happens when we're on the road and which is why we love doing that. And so it's, it's a really important part of what we do. Absolutely. That's why this last year has been a nightmare to bring it back to, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. full circle. I mean, really, really preventing our ability to get out and interact and build those, you know, relationships that, uh, that matter and learn those different things, Mike, is really kind of really been, been a nightmare to say the least. Yeah, it is. Especially if we talk about like developing the younger sales guys, I mean, that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's one of the most valuable things I would say about my career is having the ability to do that when I was younger and didn't, wasn't really tied down. So uh, it would be nice to get this thing resolved and get people back out on the road more and and all that stuff. Plus I'm just, you know, get them out of our hair too. I mean, you know, (laughs) stop drinking coffee and get on the road. It's how how you learn not to uh, touch a hot part, right? Mike? That's right. (laughs) there's another one for you oh yeah (laughs) oh no it's a nightmare i mean it's it's a great point mike uh and i think there's obviously there's going to be a tremendous amount of difference about hearing you you know the difference between hearing about a coding failure and then actually being able to go in trouble spot and see it with your own eyes but um i wanted to ask you let's let's talk about hearing something so tell tell me what this is like uh, um because i've kind of been been present for some of it how about, you know, when you get somebody that calls the office, it's not just once, it's not just twice. So they basically turn into the Riddler with how many questions they're asking and how they're going about asking their questions. Um, th- this is because th- this is a common thing through the years here. 
It happens. It's it's probably something that happens. I would say once a month, and and a lot of times what happens, especially if you know every something that may be seemingly a small thing is an important thing for them. So they'll call Camores, they'll call who then will tell us, and we'll call them. Let's say I call yeah. them. They may call back in and talk to um, either you know any of us. They sometimes we'll find out that there's like four four of us on parallel path trying to resolve this problem for the customer. <laughs> and, and like, that's not inefficient. That's not efficient for anyone. So sure. we really, I mean, cause we talk a lot internally, our offices are all right here. And if we're working from home, we're still talking each day. So we know what's going yeah. on a lot. And, um, and so that's always one of those things that to us is, a, is kind of a nightmare because it's, it's just, a, you know, inefficient for us uh, in terms of just directing communication and trying to find out the information we need to have. Yeah. I mean, well, especially when you have the entire team chasing the same answer, you know, it's just, yeah. that's just a, a nightmare of inefficiency. Well, and here's the other thing too. I learned this early on from my dad and Kaz. You can, Nick, you could ask the three of us and we did an episode like this. What's the best coding mm -hmm. for this application? You could ask sure. us three right now. Here's the parameters of this application. You might get three different answers. It's not like this, a black and white scenario most of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that, that can be confusing for someone calling in too. If they're using multiple of us to, to get an answer and they get multiple answers back, that's a nightmare for them. <laughs> you know? So like, and that's why we usually say like, we don't, I, it's, I don't think I've ever in my career said, this is the answer for you. There's this one coding and one coding only that will work right. because you just never know. You always have to spray and test and confirm yeah. results. Right. So yeah. we will almost always say, all right, so here's some alternatives is a B and maybe even C depending on how it goes. And then it's up to the, to somebody who's going to have to make a decision on it, but it's not us. It's not our job to make the decision. It's our job to take the information and regard, you know, interpret that and kick back out some, some results that they can take action on. Good, better, best. And then, like yep. I said, you're always giving, you're getting something, you're giving up the other thing. It's very hard theoretically to know exactly what that application needs. So that's yep. why you've got to kind of test it all out. I'll tell you what's shocking sometimes, Nick, with the nightmare scenario is the guy that calls in and he doesn't know the, like the environment parameters, like, right. You know, oh, yeah. it's amazing sometimes like, you know, one of our, it's a process of elimination for us. Like we're trying to narrow down to, you know, certain codings that would be applicable. And, and like, sure. you, you, one of your top questions is, uh, you know, end use temperature uh -huh. <laughs> and you get this like deer in the headlights, uh, and you're like, it's gonna be really hard for me to give you a recommendation. Yeah. You don't know, you don't even know what the end use temperature is. And, uh, so that's it. So that then begins the runaround. Cause then they're like, well, what else, what else do I need to know? And you're like, well, here, let me just lay this out for you, you know, find out these things and, and, you know, come back to me and I'll be able to, you know, help you out a little bit better. So we hate to just throw a coding out there. No, nah, that's, that's irresponsible for us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so we have yeah. to get this information, but you're right. It does hardly anybody knows the end use temperature. It's pretty rare. I'd say it's like 15, 20% of the time. I really? feel like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty rare. Wow. Um, and then they can get that. And then, you know, if there's five pieces of information, they'll come back with two of them. So you're like, okay, now we're narrow. Now we narrowed it to here and I still need these three. And then you keep like, you know, walking down the path to, to get to a place where we can make a, a recommendation with confidence. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's, that's the hard, that's the hardest part training our, our sales team as well. Like, like it's, it's very easy just to, to be a quick, 
instant answer, you know, kind of person, but you really have to understand the solution and actually care about where is this coding going and, you know, teaching that in depth that we call it solution selling is, is really difficult for people to understand. It's like when Wolfie was new, he tried to let somebody code plywood. Yep. (laughs) And I I overheard the conversation from my office. I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) It's a good thing it wasn't COVID. (laughs) <laughs> you never heard that conversation you'd be like you let a guy buy teflon for plywood yeah, he's yeah. buying 50 gallons a month now <laughs> yeah hey the square footage was good yeah, <laughs> yeah. it harkens back to a you know uh, just a, a what we know now is a universal truth there's no there's no substitute for experience so right. and, and that, that's got to be the tough thing about, you know, this situation we're in, especially young people that you hire and get them in, in here. Uh, it, experience means the world. And it's why so many people uh, rely on you guys and trust in tech uh, to provide solutions and to provide uh, exceptional sales support. So, guys, we're, we're winding this one down. I, I want to thank you for walking me through this this nightscape of nightmares and, and, and bad <laughs> application stories and the plywood one. I wasn't expecting Mike. Thanks for throwing yeah. that out there. at the end. That was, that was That's usually one. my I three intro story. Yeah. Trick or treat wolf. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had I three in a couple of years. Speaking of trick or treat gentlemen, speaking of trick or treat, I, I saw this weird article. I guess it's not weird, right? It's October. What the hell am I saying? It's a seasonally, seasonally appropriate article today uh, about Halloween candy and about mm-hmm. American uh, buying tendencies. Now, I saw this, that most Americans, a majority of Americans buy their Halloween candy in the first two weeks of October. That, that surprised the hell out of me. Because um, mm. I, I, I'm just like, oh my God, is it Halloween? I better go to Walgreens and, and play it that way. But I looked at what sold the best, okay? And nationwide, then I have stats that apply right here to Della Who, Della What, Della Where. Yeah. So I'm going to start with you, Crystal. In America, what is the most popular Halloween candy? Ooh. Well, first I'll start by saying I bought my candy uh, this weekend, so Good I man. am ready to go. You're going to have to rebuy next weekend. You know, I was, was, was going to say that. Same thing in my house. It starts to get eaten now, and then by the time you get there, it's uh, got to buy so, again. Uh, I would say Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right. Dole checking in with peanut butter cups. Let's get that down. Okay. The people in the studio are are listening. Wolf, most popular in America. What is it? Jeez. I, you know, I'm going to go candy bar route again. I'm going to go Twix. 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 No way. Get the hell out of here. Wolf coming in with Twix. There's no way that's even in top 10. Wolf coming in with Twix and and Mike giving it to Joel and smacking smacking that thing away. Mike, you don't like uh, the Twix picks. We have Twix. We have Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I want to know, Mike Patterson, what's the number one selling uh, most popular Halloween candy in America? Yeah, so I was really, this was, I'm glad I had some extra time because I switched <laughs> answers. I'm going to go Snickers. I'm, that Snickers. was my number two, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I'm going Snickers. Right, before you reveal, Nick, if you say candy corns, I'm out. I, I, that was the other brain. thing I was starting to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Things should be banned. Dude, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be out too. Why would I do that to you? I wouldn't even want to put that mental image in your head. Uh, that, that is some nasty stuff. Well, I'm dressed like one today, so. Guys. <laughs> oh. I'm going <laughs> to. I got I got news for you. The only one who even charted in the top five is our own. 
Chris Dole. Yeah, Reese's nice. Cups are the number yeah. one selling Halloween candy. Nice. Followed by in the top five, because I found this odd. Followed by Skittles. God M&M. damn it. That was the one I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking M- M&M's. M&M's. Starburst. Ooh. And then five. Oh. Five is the weirdest to me. Hot tamales. What? Oh, yeah. You have to go back like to the like Mike 19- and Ike's? Like, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. No, there's hot Jeez. tamales. Yeah, I know them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're good. I don't think you'd have to hop mm. into a DeLorean. This is nationwide, though, right? This yeah, is nationwide. Exactly. I think all right, this, all right, uh, all right. Yeah, nationwide. Wow. That's a macro trend. You don't see many hot tamales in Delaware. I can tell no. you. That. No. So you guys have all you know do, done your Halloween uh, uh, hosting in Delaware and giving out candy. Yeah. Uh, what do you give the most out of, Wolfie? What's the most popular Delaware candy? Oh, I, I'm actually going back to Reese's with Dole. I mean, I know that's what we give out a lot of. We always have those. Looking on Dole's paper. Eyes on your own paper, Wolf. No, uh, no. All right. Reese's come. Dole, what do you got? Same. That's why I gave my answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got lucky enough to go Skewed. first. Yeah. Mike Patterson so rounded we, it out here. We buy those like variety packs, right? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. like my whole, like, so I just hold it out and tell people to take whatever they want, like a couple. And most kids will take like two items. Some kids are going in for like a huge grab and taking a bunch. <laughs> but like I can tell you at the I'm so I don't really know what's the most popular because everything is pretty cleaned out except for one thing. What's the that? almond joys. I was going to say that are mounds. <laughs> yeah, mounds too. <laughs> those two things at the end of the night at the bottom of the basket yeah. is those two things. And then they'd sit around my house because nobody in my house really eats them. Yeah. And uh, then we know trash trashing them. Yeah. Coconut. We got uh, Delaware. I, I think Delaware's just odd, man. We're an outlier. Maybe there's something in the water uh, that makes, <laughs> us, uh, choose, <laughs> makes us choose things differently. Most popular Halloween candy in the state of Delaware, the first state. Skittles, yeah, okay. I believe it. Skittles believe followed it. by I see that lifesavers. That's what ridiculous. What kind of kids yeah. doing that? Unless they were all pineapple. Yeah, I want to see the uh, statistics on the number. Survey. Number three, Sour Patch Kids, which I guess no chocolate in the top in the three. No, wow. no chocolate Hard in the top sugar. three. Yeah. yeah, that's why Delaware's got bad teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got. That's it, man. We need we need some we need some help. We need some culture here. To improve our uh, candy taste. Gentlemen, I did want to thank you all for dressing up and ignoring my request uh, to our listeners. I asked all three of them if they would dress up as Eagles coach uh, Nick Sariani, and all of them said pass. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's a terrible do, joke do, for do. you. <laughs> yeah, Guys, that visor uh, with the highlighter in my, in my look, visor. Wolf Dole. Mike, uh, it's a pleasure as always. Thanks for giving up your time and thanks for being here today with us on, on Deliver More. It's always fun. Thanks, oh, guys. Yeah, it's always a good thanks, time. Thanks, Nick. Thank Great you. being here. Thanks to our listeners. Uh, thanks for joining us again. Uh, remember to subscribe to Deliver More. Happy Halloween, everybody. We're going to see you next time. Uh, stay from safe. Who? Dela what? Delaware. Stay safe. Bye bye now. No candy apples. <laughs> <laughs>